and Beyond the Buzzer. This is Bruce Dumas with a weekly analysis of national politics. This is official injections of woman in the window. All of it up by a panel of people inside and funding power brokers. Public service professors and most importantly, places the Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by conservative commentator, Julie I. Libertarian analyst, Eric Cohen. Democrat businessman, Patrick Hanley. Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago. Test score expert, Ed Jabrowski. And author and crime researcher, Matt Rosenberg. Our program tonight, coming to you from my own base at uh, WIND Radio, AM 560 in beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Nice to have you with us. And uh, I'm going to begin this evening with uh, some uh, important comments, at least uh, for me, and maybe they are for you as well. But as you know, if you're a regular listener for the last month, starting in October, uh, I have not been uh, at these microphones. I've had people sit in for me. Jeannie Ives and Eric Cohen have done a wonderful job this past week filling in as I am recovering, because this is probably the worst health situation I've experienced in my life. I've had some problems with heart, lungs, and some kidneys. Uh, it all kind of started on the, the 3rd of October. I spent 19 days at Northwestern University Hospital in Chicago. They were trying to find a way about what was going on with tests and blood scores and, and you name it, exercise and weigh-ins and everything else. Uh, they were looking for what they could do to make me feel better. And uh, during that time, I had a great deal of time to uh, reflect uh, on my life and the past and also think about the future. Well, Beyond the Beltway has always been an important part of my life for the last 42 years, and it continues to be an important part of my life as I think about it. But I got to the point where I just did not feel that I had the energy to continue as the host of this program uh, for any long period of time. And so I reached out to Jeff Friesman, uh, the Vice President General Manager of WIND, that's Salem Radio in Chicago, and I asked him for an indefinite hiatus, which would give me time to get better, uh, relax a little bit on Sunday night. And so to, to uh, when he said yes, he'd be willing to do that, the next question is, well, who could be filling in for me? And since uh, Jeannie Ives and Eric Cohn have done such a wonderful job just this month, but they have each substituted for me in the past, and they've always done a very nice job, I asked them if they would be willing to sit in on this indefinite hiatus period. And uh, uh, Jeannie and, uh, and, uh, and Eric, I thank you very much for your willingness to do that. Uh, I think regular listeners to the program, whether you're a program director, whether you're a listener, whether you're a viewer on YouTube, uh, you've expected maybe a conservative perspective on the news every week. Uh, you're going to continue to get that with Jeannie Ives. I think the, the libertarian curiosity and the tenacity in discussion that Eric Cohn brings to a discussion also makes for good radio. You don't quite know where Eric comes down on every single issue, which I think makes for a good conversant. And so tonight, as I pass the uh, the BT beat porch, not uh, I'm not passing it forever. Hopefully, I will be back someday. But uh, these have been times, and uh, I think I've got two people willing to sit in and do a nice job for me. And they have pledged the fairness and balance in the discussion uh, that is an important part of this program. 
including Democrats. Yes, folks, we do have Democrats on this program, <laughs> and we continue uh, to help. So, again, I'm not saying goodbye tonight, but uh, so long for a while. And uh, I want to thank uh, Eric and uh, Jeannie, uh, who are now, I guess, in, in contact with me. Uh, folks, thank you very much for willing to uh, step in and, uh, and, and do this while I'm uh, trying to get myself uh, uh, in order. Well, thank you very much, Bruce. Uh, listen, what an honor for you to ask uh, me to come in and try and fill in you, for you. There's no way that I can do that. You have a voice for radio. You have a heart for radio. You, uh, you, you know, there's nobody who can replace you, especially your 42 years of watching history in the making and reminding yeah. us, reminding us who may have just started to pay mm -hmm. attention to politics 20 years ago of things that happened 40 years ago that you were a part of, that you reported on. Uh, that history is invaluable. And uh, that is what we are going to have to lean on our other experts that come on our show to remind us of, Bruce, because uh, nobody, it, it, actually, there, there's no way to replace your knowledge set at, uh, with anybody else, in my opinion. Eric, do, do you want to make some remarks? Yeah, I, I, usually when I'm on this program, you'll find me talking somehow about the importance of institutions and the trouble that a lot of our institutions are in. And, and Beyond the Beltway is an institution. I mean, 42 years is an incredible run for a program to be doing this kind of analysis and always offering a, a balanced conversation on the news of the week. So I, I echo everything Jeannie said. And it is a tremendous honor, uh, Bruce, and I uh, thank you so much for the ask. And more than happy to uh, sit behind this microphone and the time until uh, you're back hosting the show on a regular basis basis yeah. it'll it'll be an honor every week that i do it so yeah. we have a, also uh, we should mention that uh, uh, some week uh, it, it might be eric hosting some week it might be genie uh, some week it might be the both of them for either the full hour or full two hours or 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 an, uh, an hour at a time so uh, it's going to be interesting discussion we hope to bring it to you and again i would say that as as i sort of looked at the clock and uh, as i was uh, trapped in the hospital watching television and news coverage, be it on CNN or on Fox, both of whom were kind of turning my stomach because of the uh, the, the, uh, the slanted nature with which they discuss, and discuss politics. But again, it's hard to step down or step aside. It's hard to step aside when the midterms are coming up in a couple of weeks. But I know each of you will be doing a great job uh, in doing that. And again, uh, thank you very much. Again, I say this is not... Uh, this is not goodbye, but it is a farewell, a farewell for uh, a period of time. And uh, I hope that you will continue to support Eric and Jeannie as you have done for me for well over 42 years. Bruce Dumont, when, when everybody comes back, I think I don't know how much time we have left there, Fritz, but because uh, the little clock didn't quite work. But anyway, uh, I, I wish you well. And by the way, one other thing, I want to thank Fritz Goldman who has been the producer and director of the show for many, many years. This program could not have continued uh, without him. Uh, it, it couldn't continue with him. He's agreed to be part of the, of the future of the program as well. And so, Fritz, thanks to you and uh, to all the efforts that you put in uh, to this program to uh, move it from where it began, uh, you know, as a local radio show uh, to a national program on YouTube, Facebook, Thank and you very much. a lot of great radio stations. So, again, folks... Good luck. When the commercials are over, you'll be in charge. 
Well, we've got about 30 seconds left here, Bruce, and I just wanted to reiterate that we plan to, to honor what you have begun 42 years ago, and that is a balanced program, one that talks about policy, one that finds out what the other side thinks, one that's willing to, to have honest conversations about difficult topics so that we can move forward as a country. That's where I stand. That's where I've always stood. And uh, that hopefully will be something that uh, you will weigh in it's, on and correct me when I go astray. It, it, it's very, it, it, that is very, very important. The future of the country, I think, rests in civil discussion. And again, uh, uh, you've been kind to say that I can, I can call in periodically as a guest, <laughs> uh, which I will do. I won't overstay my welcome, but I will do it on occasion. Good night, everybody, and good luck, Eric and Jane. Okay, we'll be back with you after this break. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
Well, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. It's Jeannie Ives subbing in for Bruce DeMont tonight. And with me, I have Patrick Hanley. Patrick is a North Shore businessman who runs online betting brand called Piglet in Bed, alongside with his wife, Jessica. He's a act, he's active in politics. He serves as the president of uh, Nutrier well, Township Diamond. Um, I'm sorry? Nutrier Township Democrats. He earned an MBA and an MPP from the University of Chicago. And he spent 10 years working in Washington, D.C. and abroad. Also with me in studio is Ted Dabrowski. He's the president of Wirepoint since 2017 and previously served as vice president of policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Prior to that, he spent two decades overseas helping manage Citibank's operations in Mexico and Poland. He has a master's in public policy from the University of Chicago and an MBA from the Wharton School. And online with us is Charles Lipson. Oh, boy, one of my favorite guests. He's the Peter B. Ritzma, professor of political science emeritus at the University of Chicago. He writes frequently for Real Clear Politics, Spectator World, and others. And his columns can be found at charleslipson.com. Gentlemen, the question tonight, really, and the reason we have Ted on is because he's an education expert. He just recently got uh, an entire editorial written about his um, work in the Wall Street Journal called, this is called Illinois Shocking Report Card. It's about education. But what he wrote about Illinois' education situation could easily apply across the country, especially in light of the NAEP scores that just came out. Those are the National Assessment of Education Progress. They can't come out um, uh, annually. And in this case, they showed massive declines in the progress of our children, especially due to COVID. So what's on the ballot? That is really the question of the day. What's on the ballot? Is it energy? Is it climate? Illegal immigration, education, inflation, rising crime. What's on the ballot? I tell you what, I think what's on the ballot is the expertise class. The expertise class. Okay, so let's start out, though, with uh, Charles. What do you say is on the ballot coming up? Well, all the polls say that the key issue on the ballot is the economy, which is inflation, the uh, very slow growth, two quarters of uh, negative growth in a recent quarter where there was some growth, uh, rising interest rates and all the rest. I think under that, there are all of these big issues um, favoring the Republicans uh, in a big way, I think, are, are, as you say, schooling, but also crime, uh, favoring the Democrats, I think, um, are abortion and uh, uh, some social issues. I think there's a bigger issue that is looming, and that is, are Americans feeling optimistic about the future of the country? When they are, they are going to vote for the party in power. Hmm. When they're not, they're going to reject that party. Okay, and Patrick, uh, would you agree with Charles' assessment of that? Because if uh, it doesn't appear that a lot of folks are feeling optimistic <sighs> about the current situation, and again, this week Rasmussen reports shows that there's a seven-point favoritism 
towards the Republican candidate in a generic congressional ballot race. Yeah, it's uh, what would you say? Yeah, I'd say so. The in the generic race, I think we're about we're down about three points in more of an aggregate. And Charles, I think you're right. I, that's an interesting way to put it. Optimism kind of rewards the party in power. What we've also seen is historically, uh, parties in power are almost always punished in the midterms. So I think Democrats went into this race expecting a pretty big swing against them. And what we're seeing is a much more attenuated swing, in part because the Dobbs decision, the disastrous decision by the Supreme Court to strike down Roe v. Wade. And frankly, you know, I'm knocking doors every day in New Trier Township and in Naperville and in Wisconsin. What I'm hearing at the doors consistently are get the guns off our streets, uh, protect our reproductive freedoms and turn down this political extremism. Voters are so frustrated by the, the high heat in politics these days and the political violence that we're seeing in the news, which is just terrifying. Okay, so in 2021, you had the Glenn Youngkin race in Virginia. That was all about schools. Are you gentlemen in agreement, Patrick and Charles, that it, that's just not on the ballot this year? Patrick? I think it is. I, I think okay. it is uh, on the on the ballot, but I don't think it's one of the very top right. issues. Uh, those tend to be, uh, I think, there. It's less an issue at the national level mm -hmm. and more an issue in in gubernatorial races. And I think Carrie Lake and, and we've seen uh, actually Youngkin campaigning around the country, and that tells you a lot mm -hmm. about. Um, because I think he's he's become the national face of uh, choice in education, letting it go back to the parents, um, um, moving against uh, um, teachers unions and, and so forth. I think the Democrats are really locked in. Uh, they there's just no way they can escape the tentacles of the teachers union. Yeah, well that's interesting. So Ted, let's bring you into this conversation. Ted, you've written a lot about education. You've followed it in the context of not just Illinois, but across the nation. Uh, what's your assessment of education? Give us a little bit more about the report that you wrote and tell us where you think we're headed in terms of a, a, a parent revolt to school choice. Yeah, just kind of to wrap around what was just said about what's important about the election, I think education fits in and there's a lot of things that have become extreme in America. And, you know, you talk about the finances, things are extreme, the inflation with crime. Um, and, and when you add education to that, it's become extreme, and the parents realize they have no powers right now. And that was what became obvious during COVID, is that parents no longer had the seat at the table they thought they had, or if they thought they had when they realized they don't have one. And so what we're finding is, is that, you know, COVID woke up everybody to how little power parents had. Uh, it also woke up everybody to, wow, look at these educational results, look how low they are. Uh, but I think deeper than that, it's it's that, and I, I think this will go all the way, like you said, in the, in the governor's races and, and local races, is who is going to determine what happens in our schools? And, 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 and what we found in our report was that the results, forget the wealthy districts, they all do relatively well in some sense, although they could do better. We're seeing in places, you know, like, and, and this is across the country, right, whether it's a mm -hmm. Baltimore, Philadelphia, a Chicago, you know, closer to home, Decatur, Illinois, right. where you're seeing the reading results, uh, for minority kids be in the single digits. So you're talking about five kids out of every hundred being able to read at grade level. It's sad, it's pathetic, it's dismal, and, and nobody seems to have a plan for how to fix it. And so I think the big thing's going to be over time is you know, tie in the extremism that people are tired of, uh, the lack of power that ordinary parents have. Uh, there's going to be a call for more control by parents 
over the kids' education. And I think that's that's going to be the big trend, and it started in a place like Arizona already with their school choice. Ted, one of the things you said is that there's no plan in place to help schools do better, and I just don't think that's true. We've already allocated $200 billion to school districts, which is now being phased in over the next several years, putting tons of money into after-school programs, tutoring, building upgrades, the things that school boards, which are, of course, oftentimes led by parents and led by stakeholders and communities. As you'd know, I mean, our our own community in New Trier Township is a very active school board, and parents are ever-present in conversations around school decision-making. So parents have a great degree of oversight and control over how this $200 billion in federal money is being spent. Moreover, in Illinois, the state has allocated more money than it ever has uh, to schools, especially in low, uh, low-income areas, to make up for the deficit in property tax values. Well, I think, Patrick, that's precisely the problem. You, you've you've kind of nailed it from the other side, in, in my perspective, and that's that we're spending records amount of money. We, we're spending, uh, we spend the eighth most, for example, in a place like Illinois, um, and and yet, and yet we've got places like, and you know, this is a very Illinois-centric point here, but sure. Decatur, just two percent of black children in the third grade were reading at grade level in 2019 before COVID. Seven percent of black kids in in Rockford, 11 percent of kids in Waukegan. So you've got this these disastrous results after tons of spending. Yeah. People don't want more money in the schools anymore. What they want is somebody to fix it and to change it. And, uh, you know, if, you look at, and if you look at the analysis we've seen across the country, um, it's the systems that are broken. There's two, mm. the, the, the unions are too powerful. There's too much money going into administrators. The administrative bloat has gone crazy. Um, the, the push for sex ed and for, for uh, things like that and critical race theory have taken over. And, you know, I think the, the conclusion that you're starting to see in, in the polls, not just across whites, but blacks and Latinos, is that the only really way out of this thing is to break the system through school choice. And that's no giving way. parents more choice. Absolutely not. The key, the key correlate to outcomes for students is wealth is wealthy districts, wealthy parents, involved parents, communities where incarceration rates are low. And so when you cite statistics from 2019 in Illinois or earlier, you're talking about previous administrations before a pretty major state spending bill is working to reallocate towards those lower income districts. And that's okay. going to make a significant change. So well, we're, while we're here talking about Illinois, we, what we've seen <laughs> is we've seen that the school choice movement is on the march. I mean, it started <clears throat> in Florida. It actually is uh, touted as being the reason that Governor DeSantis beat narrowly his Democrat challenger in 2018. You now have Arizona going full-scale full school choice. Uh, Charles, I mean, the wokeness in schools, everything about that. I mean, it started in the universities. Now it's filtered down to the, to the <laughs> K-12 through level. Is that an issue, though? It's a, it's a big issue. Um, I would say the, the right way to think about school choice um, is that there's almost no institutions that do well without competition. Mm. And the key point, uh, and competition means that consumers have to have choice so that providers have an incentive to deliver the goods. Um, and so we can talk about, let's say, wokeness at the level of universities, but if you don't like it, you can go to a different university. Uh, Charles, hold that thought. Hold that thought, Charles. We've got a break coming up. We're going to come back with that because I, and when it comes to that, I'd like to talk about those NAEP scores because you may be surprised what institution was at the top of the list and actually exceeded expectations and actually grew its uh, 
it's progress for children. We'll find out that after this break. Thank you so much. Stay with us. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. With me in studio is Ted Dabrowski. He is the president of WirePoints, and he did a phenomenal job looking at educational information specific to Illinois, but also looking across the nation. Also in studio with me is Patrick Hanley. And on the, on the TV or on the Zoom with me is Charles Lipson. He is the prof 
political science emeritus at the University of Chicago. We were just talking about education, its impact on the the election coming up in just nine days, and uh, particularly about those NAEP scores, those National Assessment of Education Progress scores. If uh, you want to call in, our phone lines are open now, 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. I see we have Edward in Chicago. Edward, we're, we're going to hold on just a moment. We're going to get to you in just a minute. Gentlemen, the NAEP scores came out. They saw a huge, massive decline in most areas. However, at the top of the list were Catholic schools. If Catholic schools, I was schools amazed. Itself, I was so yeah. pleased to see that. Yeah. Why, so why were you surprised, Charles? That Catholic schools are seventy-three percent white. Um, the main reason uh, I assume that Catholic schools did well is that most of them stayed open. Uh, there was a huge amount um, uh, of schools that that had closed before, uh, and Catholic schools just across the country tried to stay open. But I uh, I understand your point, which is there's a selection effect yes. uh, with when you look at different schools. So if you look at at uh, how well the school in Naperville or or New Trier up uh, on the wealthy North Shore suburbs of Chicago, you're going to have not only uh, a different uh, uh, racial profile, right. but you're going to have kids whose parents are well-educated, right. read to them at home, and all, all the rest. Um, but it is still very important that Catholic schools, like the state of Florida, stayed open when experts were wrongly telling us everything had to close down. Well, that's, that's the other interesting thing. After Catholic schools, the uh, next states doing the best were Massachusetts, which spends the most per student in the entire nation, right. Wyoming, Florida. Florida came number three. Uh, Florida is not, you know, uh, it has its share of minority children. New Jersey, New Hampshire, Colorado, Utah, Pennsylvania kind of rounds out your top there. So, uh, Ted, what does this say? Competition well, I, is good or what? Well, I, I think, you know, I think I'm, I'm careful to derive a lot of results from, from the two years uh, because it's so messy, and I've looked at COVID data, not just in education, but COVID data overall. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cautious to jump to, to conclusions. Um, I, I am, you know, optimistic about the Catholic schools, not, not just because they, they came out ahead and their, their change in schools were better than everybody's, uh, but, but because they have a model that's... that's um, that is competition driven. If they can't educate the kids, the parents can take their kids out and go to another school. So, you know, they are they are driven by what Charles was talking about competition, and, and they have to perform. Um, what I what I really when I look at these NAEP scores, and it, you know, they were the lowest in twenty to thirty years. So we had massive drop offs mm-hmm. uh, because of that. What I look at is you know I try to analyze what does that mean, uh, but but I'm but I'm also very cautious because the results before COVID. Right. We're very bad, and yeah. that's what I focus on, because we're going to get lost in a whole bunch of stuff about about COVID and what the results were. Yeah. The results before COVID were disastrous in too many places, and that's my focus. Ted, I, I really appreciate that nuance, and I think it's important to note that the de- the declines from 2017 to 2019 actually in some areas were about the same size as the declines then to 21, which begs the question, is Betsy DeVos as bad as a global pandemic for student outcomes? Well, I, I think, mm. yeah, uh, I think that overall declines have been across, you know, bipartisan in many states. So I'm, I'm happy to, to, to blame both sides in many areas for, for what's happened in, in public education. 
and I and I give kudos to the to the public to the okay. to the ones that are pushing choice. I want to add right. I want to add a point here, mm-hmm. uh, Jeannie. At yes, this time. absolutely. Um, I think that <clears throat> if you go back to the 1950s, if you had a strong back and were willing to work, uh, had a good union job, you could work in a steel mill and uh, support your family and live in a bungalow in Chicago or its equivalent in Cleveland or Memphis. The we're we're in the midst of an industrial revolution that's similar to the one that had all those spinning machines with cotton in the 1820s and the one that that produced Model T Fords at the beginning of the 20th century. This is a, a revolution that is placing a very high priority on cognitive skills in yes. education. So uh, kids that can't read or do math at grade level are really going to face a grim future in an economy where routinized jobs are being eliminated every single day. Yeah. Uh, good point, and that's a perfect segue into our caller. We have Edward on the phone from Chicago. Edward, welcome to the program. This is Beyond the Beltway. Yeah, uh, I went to Jones Commercial, and I did uh, my senior year uh, school in the morning and Harris Bank wire transfers in the afternoon. And I think now, because of all this technology and because of what happened with COVID, uh, we need to have people go into trade schools and skill yeah. in a certain uh, trade so they can be independent and productive citizens because we can't have them going through the usual way where they go to college four years and then hope they get a job and then they go and live with their parents if they go to a trade school, they can get a work right away, uh, have money to do, get a car, buy a house, live independently. Um, what do you guys think? I think that's such an important point. I think you're exactly right. And what we're doing, what we're seeing, in, uh, you know, especially Democratic-led states are the ones that I follow most closely, is we're setting money against uh, trade schools, apprenticeships, uh, that pipeline from education directly to corporates. Uh, Lake County Partners does a fantastic job with this up in Lake County, connecting uh, kids going through schools with apprenticeship programs with advanced manufacturing companies uh, where they can achieve a high-paying, you know, good union job right out of school. Uh, and, you know, maybe they study later on, but it, that doesn't matter as much as it does the stability uh, and the, you know, the dignity of having good work. I couldn't agree more. Okay, that's, uh, you know, everybody has gone that route. I, I think that's I definitely think true. That. Edward, you also talked about having vouchers. Um, is, is that true? I mean, okay, Edward's out. Okay, Edward's out. But that's great. He brings Let up a good point about Let me say something about, about vouchers. Okay. Uh, it, it is absolutely any any um, state that goes to uh, the equivalent of a voucher system, and sometimes it, the way they, they structure them, they have to give it uh, to the person so that the state is not uh, giving the money uh, in a certain way. Otherwise, they would be supporting a religious school. If they give it to the parent, and then mm-hmm. the parent can spend it on a religious school, then uh, that uh, passes constitutional muster. But th- the key point that I want to make is that if the money is not h- large enough, then it is simply a subsidy to wealthier families who are already wanting to send their kids to a private school. Mm-hmm. It has to be large enough that poor families can send their child to a school of their choice, a good school of their choice, 
uh, without any additional money coming in. And it has to be enough that schools want to get into the market to compete and provide the services that parents want. Which is why the Arizona situation will be interesting as teacher unions continually try to shut down such programs as they have done in the state of Illinois. Ted. Jeannie, what I saw in, in the research I've done, and this is not just in Illinois but across the country, is that what's happening in our public schools are people are just getting past whether they can read or not, whether they have math skills or not, as Charles was talking about. Um, they just pass them to the next grade. It's automatic across the country. And so when I think about the change that we're talking about here and the innovation, uh, the Patrick's mentioning that the innovation is not going to come from, from the government. Um, they're, they're too, there's too many uh, vested interests in keeping the status quo. The innovation has to come from the outside. So to Charles' point, we need you know, some kind of voucher, some kind of education savings account where people are empowered, parents are empowered with their kids to go find what it is that best motivates their kid and one that motivates the supply of good schools, whether trade schools or um, you know, STEM schools or whatever it is. But the system has to change. Get a bunch of University of Chicago folks on the call, and we're talking about markets all of a sudden. I'm, I'm sorry, I disagree. <laughs> I, I've listen. I've seen this movie before, and it's called Healthcare, and the healthcare system in the United States has failed, and it's a it's a private system, right? And I think there's a, a large movement towards a fully, fully, towards a fully system. public system. The reality is the state's responsibility to its citizenry, its its institutions, as Eric told told us earlier, is is for a well educated population. And so, in a public school system, you're right. We we cannot let students slip through the cracks uh, and there's all sorts of good and bad things that come out of that but in a private system there's not going to be that level of responsibility and what we've seen from from uh, uh, charter systems or from voucher systems is poor families do not not cannot not uh, you know whatever they not will not certainly not will not they do not access schools at the same level that wealthier parents more involved parents do and once again we let the poorest among us fall through the cracks and fail them you know at the, at the chicago public schools i just think that this is a i just think this is a a weak argument mm -hmm. uh you you're just in in the end it ends up saying stick with the current system no. pour more money in it to it we've been pouring huge amounts of money into this system for a long time and getting bad results. You can't just say, stick with us, we're doing a great job. But we've defunded public education over the last 30 years, no? That is That's absolutely not, not true. true. Of course it is. Look at the numbers. That's, That's not, not true. true. So, so we're about true. to spend, uh, this year alone, we'll spend 29, when you add up all the money that Chicago Public Schools spends, it's about 29000 a little over $29,000 per student. And, and this year, 11 out of every 100 black students could read at grade level. 17 of every 100 Hispanic students could read at grade level. You can't do worse than that. You so, can't? Okay, we we'll are be doing better. back with you after the break. More discussion about this topic. Thank you, gentlemen. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. 
At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Okay, picking it up where we left it off, and that was with schools. And I'd like to get back to this idea that it just actually may not be the issue that moves voters this election cycle. I'm not sure that that is going to be the case. Um, I'd like a little bit more discussion about that, but how about this as it relates to education? Does bailing out somebody else's student loan, does that motivate voters? How do they feel about that one? Certainly fired up young voters who were on the fence about Biden. I think Biden's own approval rating saw a three-point bump by voters who were Democrats but not terribly happy with the administration, uh, in large part to the frustration on the economy, who then saw the Democratic administration fulfilling its promises and helping them out with a, you know unfair debt burden uh, and are now motivated to vote. Charles, Charles. Uh, please weigh in here as a professor at a university. Obviously, you know, some of your students took out student loans. Should we be bailing them out? And how do, well, should the, American people The ones people that took out them? loans to stay with me were wise indeed. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I think um, the, there's an old saying that if you rob Peter to pay Paul, 
you can always count on uh, Paul's vote, and that's what we just heard. Um, the The fact is, a lot of voters are actually outraged about it, and um, they're outraged about it because the loans were taken out voluntarily, um, uh, in effect, to purchase a capital good, which is uh, human capital, uh, which would pay for higher income in the future. And why should an ordinary person uh, uh, um, who works in a grocery store help pay off that student loan? There's a second issue which didn't get much attention but really bothers me. This is a humongous expenditure made by fiat by the President of the United States. Uh, major expenditures are supposed to be appropriated by Congress and, uh, with uh, the House of Representatives moving first, and then the Senate votes on it, and then the President signs it. Uh, the idea that the President can simply spend half a trillion dollars on his own is objectionable to me, whether or not the uh, courts ultimately find it unconstitutional largely depends upon a technical issue of whether anyone has standing to bring it before the courts. But I think it's it's uh, feckless politics at its worst. So do you think, um, Ted, I'll bring you in here. Do you think that the average person voting understands that? Do they Do they understand it's a $500 billion expense and that it was done without any legislative approval? Do they understand sort of the lawlessness of that. I, I don't think so. That, that's the problem. And I, th I okay. think I, I agree with Charles, but a lot of people won't know that. Sure. Uh, they'll either know gut, they'll have a gut feel about it, whether if they're getting bailed out, they like it. Uh, even they, may, they may, may not even like it, but they'll take it. Uh, others will, will say, hey, I, I'm not getting bailed out, but uh, can they figure out they're going to pay for it? I think just to add to what Charles said, and I think he's absolutely right, is the whole inflationary impact. You know, we've moved to this bailout mentality that has created this massive out-of-control inflation and here we are just adding 500, you know, 500, uh, whatever the number is, more to it. Uh, and people are struggling already. So you know, we're kind of helping, quote, helping one way, and we're damaging the, the economy in another. If you want to get to the so fiscal Patrick, impact, yeah. could you remind me how much money we bailed out corporates with PPP loans and forgiven PPP loans? Because I think that was to the tune of, of several trillion dollars. Uh, yeah, but Patrick, don't forget who, who sh you know, companies didn't voluntarily do something. They were forced to shut down, right? The, the, the government said, you can't be open. And so... That's, that's, that's interesting because what Charles's point that he made earlier about uh, uh, cognitive skills and employment suggests that the last 30 years of students, myself certainly included, did not have a choice in taking out loans, whether or not we wanted to uh, attain a, a high-paying job I, or were told sorry. to attain a high-paying job, Patrick. go to good schools like the University of Chicago, or frankly, trade schools. I, or I am, for I am profit the host schools. here. However, I'm go going to have to editorialize because I went into Please the military. Do. All right. There's a lot of folks who enlisted in the military to serve their country to pay sure. for school. That's fantastic. And there's a lot of other folks whose parents sacrificed for them to go to school as well. So but a lot uh, of you folks... take when 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 you can start to direct that the government mm. pay off somebody's private responsibility, I think we've lost the country. Forty eight percent should the president Charles? be able to to waive $10,000 on people's mortgages? And we do subsidize mortgages and have for a we, long well, time. We do. 48% of folks who never took out student loans support Biden's plan. Another 10% are undecided. 
Uh, and then something like 55% of all voters support the plan. Another 10% undecided. So this is broadly popular. I don't, I don't think this well, is going to be the one, needle Well, I know one University of Chicago student in particular who took his student loan and invested it in the market. Should we bail out that student loan? Fortunately, we're not, right? We're well, only, we're only right paying now. off uh, $10,000 in public loans, $20,000 for low-income students' <laughs> okay. loans. So, no, I'm not too worried about that student. I'm extremely worried about it. But, uh, uh, okay, so, but is this going to be, an, uh, I don't know that this, is, this moves no. the voters at all. Oh, um, I do, I do think it moves okay. voters. I think that, that it's right, Patrick is right, that the, the direct beneficiaries uh, like it and others may like it. But I think the general idea that the government is spending too much that it's it's spending is reckless and that it is added to inflation is the top issue uh that voters are voting on they may not be looking at specific bill x y or z but they are looking at excess expenditures that are, have been monetized by the federal reserve and have led to inflation yeah i, th I think we've lost our normalcy you know everything is extreme sure. and 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 when you add up all these things i think you know, and I don't know, I'm just kind of speculating, but people are looking at saying, kind of like the last four years, do I want, you know, you're, you're back to comparing to a few years ago. This is extreme, it's crazy, I'll add it all up, but it's too much. I may not be thinking about student loans, or I may not be think, thinking about education, but put them all together, things are wacko. So they're going to ask what party, it's state level, local level, federal level, are working hard to solve complicated problems. The Biden administration the last 18 months has faced body blow after body blow, and exogenous they self. Okay. No, they've done All a right. fantastic we job. All right, we've got to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Ted Dabrowski, for joining us this hour, president of WirePoints. It's subbing in for him. Next hour, we're going to move to crime. Crime is definitely on people's minds, voters' minds, as they head to the polls. Crime is going to be our topic. Coming in to join this conversation will be Matt, Matt Rosenberg. He is the author of What Next? Chicago Notes of a Pissed-Off Native Son. It's his book all about crime. We'll discuss that and more. Thank you so much, Ted, for having me on the show. Charles will be with us in the second hour. Patrick will be with us in the second hour. We'll be talking about illegal immigration and much, much more. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above.
Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Whoa. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the second hour of Beyond the Beltway. This is Jeannie Ives. I'm subbing in for Bruce Dumont, who has taken a hiatus as he gets his health back. You may not have heard the introduction that Bruce gave us in the first hour, uh, but Bruce is taking off a little bit to work on his health. And so subbing in on a weekly basis will be either myself or libertarian Eric Cohn, who I actually enjoy uh, when I'm on the show with him as well. We're looking forward to hosting this in uh, place of uh, Bruce, but I will tell you what, nobody, he, Bruce is irreplaceable. He is by far the voice of radio. This is a show that he began in 1980. It's been on the air for 42 years, and we plan to keep that up and keep it going until Bruce can get back to it. So in this second hour, though, we are talking about uh, the, the election only nine days away and basically what matters to voters. Well, if you read Peggy Noonan's article, her Wall Street Journal opinion piece, it's crime. It's definitely crime in New York. The, the headline there, crime could elect a Republican in New York. Uh, part of what she wrote, writes is Miss Holkel who is the current uh, New York governor, Ms. Hochul held a comfortable lead in a state where Democratic registration is twice that of Republicans. And Mr. Zeldin long ago wrapped himself around Donald Trump's engine and voted not to certify Joe Biden's 2020 electoral votes. This was in line with feeling in his district, but not the state, which Mr. Trump lost by 23 points. Yet, Ms. Uh, Peggy Noonan writes, yet suddenly it's a real race and the reason is crime. Mm-hmm. She goes on, in the debate this week, Mr. Zeldin, and this is important, this is why I'm reading it, Mr. Zeldin talked about it as if he cared. When Ms. Holkel mentioned gun control, Mr. Zeldin lit up. No, he said, it's not only guns. You have people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're afraid of being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian American community and how it's impacted them with the loss of lives. We need to be talking about all these other crimes but instead, Kathy Holkel is too busy paying herself on the back. So there you go at crime on the, definitely crime is on it. When you talk about the L.A. mayor's race, 
you have Mr. Caruso, a, a you know businessman, very wealthy, already put $62 million into his race to win that L.A. mayoral race. That's a huge, that would be a huge upset. Um, and that is all about homelessness and crime as well. You see the same thing happening in, in Nevada uh, and elsewhere when it comes to issues. So on with us in studio, we have an expert on crime. And I'm happy to have Matt Rosenberg, Rosenberg join us this hour. He's a senior editor of Wirepoints and the author of What Next Chicago? Notes of a Pissed-Off Native Son. He got a start as a member of the 1977 Mirage Tavern Undercover Probe in Chicago Corruption by the Better Government Association and the Chicago Sun-Times. He writes and speaks in Illinois and nationally about urban policy and politics for Wirepoints. He covers crime, courts, and policing, plus education and corruption and governance. He grew up on Chicago's south side. I did. I'm a Hyde Park boy. All right. right. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. Uh, what you mean, crime? You've got a lot of information that you could rattle off, and I think some of that's important to tell our <coughs> audience about where does crime stand and what's what's going on in that that way. And uh, then I'm sure we're going to have some callers who would like to talk about this situation too. Again, the phone number here is. Let me find my notes. Sorry. 1-800-723-8289 if you have a question. 1-800-723-8289. We do have a question from David in San Francisco. David, hold on. We're going to get to you. He wants to talk about the Pelosi situation. We'll see where that goes. That was a crime scene as well. Yeah. Uh, but let's start out with Matt. Matt, give us, your, give us your opinion. What's happened in crime? What's the trends? And why is it so bad? Sure. There's plenty of data to talk about, and we will, but I think it's more visceral. Um, there's always going to be crime in urban environments. We know that. Uh, the question is the volume and the tone and the tenor of it. Uh, when you have, you know, armed robbery crews popping out of carjacked vehicles on a regular basis, say, on the north side of Chicago in formerly safe neighborhoods, of perceptions and realities change when you have armed catalytic converter theft crews popping out of vehicles with armed gunmen watching guard that's big when carjackings are up uh, 300 percent in a city uh, over three years when everything has changed since the last pre-covid year of 2019 and the data back it up strongly um, people are going to be alarmed and concerned, and it's going to figure into races. So this is obviously not just a Chicago or New York or L.A. issue. It's happening all around, even in our midsize and smaller to midsize cities. It's big. It's very big. Patrick, are the Democrats worried about this issue? The Democrats are, of course, worried about crime. Crime is an important issue, but obviously it's not the most important issue that folks are worrying about. Folks are spending a lot of their time thinking about reproductive freedoms, gun violence, which I guess plays into crime, but it has more to do with the, the availability of guns and the economy. Uh, I will just say, you know, uh, Lee Zeldin, classic Republican histrionics focusing on terrible, gruesome stories, but not thinking very much about data. Uh, the reality is 80% of murder in 2020 was conducted with a firearm. That time to crime is probably the most important thing we need to worry about when we worry about murder rates, and that is because of the it, unprecedented availability of guns. So there's not enough gun control in Chicago or New York? 
Well, you know, Chicago is a tricky situation. We are right next to our friends in Indiana and Wisconsin where there are very lax gun laws. And we also know that a very high percentage of guns that are used in crimes in Chicago have been confiscated and traced back to gun shows in Indiana and Wisconsin. Okay, I'll be honest with you, though. You also have a number of folks who have been charged with gun felonies who have been simply released onto the streets. And in Illinois, at least, it's about to get much worse. No, it's when not. the Safety Act, yeah, that is actually true. No, it's not there's true. A, there's a, there's a, a site called, there's, there's a site <laughs> called CWB Chicago. You can go ahead and check it out. But there's been at least 45 or 46 felons in just this year so far uh, released, many of them for murder, violent crimes, um, gun crimes included. And have been those those 45 have re-released and uh, in, in the process have also then committed additional violent crimes. So you've got a, an entire lawlessness thing going here. Charles, let me bring you <laughs> into on, this hold conversation. Hold on, I'm sorry, Jeannie, I can't let you go on that okay, one. Okay, I'll give you one rebuttal. Do, do, you know what you call, do you know what you call a felon who is released from jail after murdering somebody? You call it somebody who paid their bond. Right? The system that we have right now allows folks to pay criminals to pay their way out of jail while awaiting trial. So all the Pre-Trial Fairness Act is going to do is take money out of that equation. Okay. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Charles, <laughs> from your perspective, is this, this, is this, an, is this the issue for uh, the election? Is it this lawlessness? Is it this it, it's threat a of crime? It's a huge issue. And what, one, uh, one of the things that's interesting about it is that it's essentially a state and local issue and um, so it's puzzling in a way that it's become a national issue and it's a national issue that hurts Democrats and um, so the question is why and the the short answer is that the whole party really identified itself with a soft on crime movement over the last several years um, and um, and that was clearest during the um, during the uh, 2020 uh, riot uh, summer of riots when um, when the Democrats held their national convention okay. in Milwaukee and spent four days without talking anything about it and it's been Democrats who have been um, the justice uh, Democrat prosecutors and so forth. Charles, with we'll have to hold you there. With very little pushback within the party itself. Absolutely. So it's become a national issue because gotta, they've adopted okay. an ideology. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. 
They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it, not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. It's Jeannie Ives, and we have been talking about crime. If you've just joined us, we're going to go straight to the caller from San Francisco, David. You're on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Jeannie, uh, and your guests, and uh, my best to uh, Bruce. Uh, hearing about uh, you know leaving the show, uh, hope he definitely calls in. I've been listening to the show um, long before the internet. I lived in uh, St. Louis, and uh, the uh, station could be heard faintly and with a lot of static down in uh, St. Louis, and I think that's when I first started listening. So I'm not sure if I heard his very first show, but, uh, you know, my best to him. He's uh, been, uh, I've, I've always wondered about that uh, uh, museum he handles out there, and so, uh, you know, I'd be glad to visit it someday if I ever get to uh, uh if I ever get to Chicago. Yes, um, well, well, Bruce is worth listening through the static, that is for sure. Go ahead, David. <laughs> well, although uh, there are times we've argued, and I would contend that he was creating static. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we'll talk about other things. Okay. But um, I, I, what I was interested in, uh, I'm obviously calling you from San Francisco, and The incident involving Pelosi, it's pretty clear that the um, uh, people that did it, uh, uh, or the, the guy that did it, uh, is um, he's somewhat of a nut. Yeah. And the idea that the um, uh, popular press, or let's say the right-wing press, is, uh, is trying to claim that he's a liberal, yeah. he's pretty clearly nuts. Yeah. And... Uh, The idea that uh, someone can claim that if someone believes in uh, cats can fly and they also believe in heaven, 
that uh, one makes them crazy and the other one makes them religious. And uh, so there are a whole variety of different ways of looking at the world, but mm -hmm. going uh, out of their way to attack a congressperson uh, because they've been convinced that they're uh, uh, an enemy of the state, yeah. which is about as preposterous as you can get, uh, We've. Uh, she's been our congresswoman for some 30 years. Mm -hmm. She started out as uh, very much a downtown uh, special interest, and uh, it's been a long, hard struggle to try to get her to actually acknowledge the homeless problem out here or to acknowledge many of the other uh, social problems. AIDS was a big one mm -hmm. uh, that she had to finally come around with, but same with Ronald Reagan. Uh, it uh, you know there are so many different issues that these Congress people have got to deal with, mm -hmm. and if uh, I, as many of your listeners are aware, when the original Constitution was put together, uh, we the people would get a new Congressperson for every thirty thousand people in America. At thirty thousand people was what they had to handle. Then in the 1800s, it got doubled to 60,000. Then in 1914, the Congress got tricked into limiting the size of Congress to 435 <laughs> members. And okay. instead of having 60,000 constituency, it's now go uh, going on 800,000 people that it's got to deal with. And that fraud has been robbing America of taxation with representation for 110 years. Okay, oh, well, David, yeah. David, did you have something more particular on the crime issue that you wanted to raise uh, as a question to the well, panel? Well, yeah, actually, just before the break, you were talking about crime. It's been shown clearly that the murder rate is higher in red states. The crime rate is higher yeah. in red states. So these uh, so-called uh, conservatives that are uh, trying to pretend that crime is Biden's fault, yeah. they're far from it. They can't even handle crime in their own states. By about 40%. Okay, could you name, uh, could you name uh, maybe, maybe uh, Matt wants to weigh in here, but I believe... Uh, I believe it's basically Democrat cities are where you're finding most of your crime, regardless well, of Gene, the governorship Well, Gene, what I'd like is. to accent is that bail reform is uh, at the leading edge in Illinois. This is coming over time to other states, and I say we should take a look at Cook mm -hmm. County, Illinois. Bail reform was instituted in late 2017 by our uh, a top judge in Cook County, and uh, since then, there have been 15,000 crimes committed by people who were released on bond before trial. Four and a half thousand times those have been either violent person or weapons crimes. Uh, murders this year in Cook County are on track to end 38 percent higher than the last pre-COVID year we're going to have at the uh, run rate based on current data. Uh, some 933 people murdered in Cook County. Expressway shootings are 128% greater this year to date than in the whole year of 2019. In Chicago, motor vehicle thefts are up 104% over 2019. Carjackings have tripled and will end the year at about 1,800. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really bad. We're also giving up our streets. Unauthorized takings 
of public streets for special hot rod events called drifting, which you yes. need to watch on video. Dangerous. We had a triple homicide at a drifting event recently. Gang culture is bleeding over into these street events. And when police have come this summer and state troopers, their cars have been attacked and the windshield smashed. So you can talk about red states all you mm -hmm. want. They don't break policemen's windshields. So our city and many of our <laughs> big cities are absolutely out of control. What we're looking for no, are forty politicians. Forty percent is a we're big number, looking my friend. For politicians who will have police's back. The firearms death okay. rate Patrick, in Alaska is Patrick, double gonna, what it is I, in Illinois. Okay, per capita. Per, that's, and that's the important measure, okay. isn't it? Well, well, we have to look at all crime, though, because we're, we're conflating. Be interesting that, we're conflating. Yes, Charles, could you uh, weigh in here also? Uh, Two well, things, Charles. Could be shoplifting or uh, sneezing on someone. David, That's David, true. And robbery's um, down too. Okay, Charles, could could we could we? I want to bring you in here on two two comments here. First of all, uh, there's one thing about political violence, which we all agree. We don't. I don't agree with any violence. I don't. Never be a. Agreement, but there's a difference between political violence yeah. and street crime, which affects people. How about the seven-year-old who was shot brushing his teeth in his bathroom the Wait, other day? Are you saying in you're Chicago. okay with political crime? No, I never said that. <laughs> I said there's a difference in and the two. Okay. What it's, what matters to people is when they go on the CTA or the subway in New York, are they going to be assaulted by somebody? Charles, what are people feeling out here? Don't there is a well, difference in the two? I want to differentiate three different kinds of crime here. One are what I would call political crimes, yeah. so that when you have people breaking in the Capitol yeah. on January the 6th, that's a direct political crime. It's, a, it's an attempt to use force to stop the orderly political procedures. Mm -hmm. The second would be domestic crimes which happen within a household, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of murders and yeah. so forth. Those happen all the time. Um, but the other is what Matt has really been focusing on, and I think properly so, which is, are our streets safe? I would call that a core responsibility of local governments. But governments can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. uh, what people, the 800-pound the gorilla in the room is social breakdown in some minority communities which have led to vast amounts of violence some of which mm -hmm. is treated as entertainment by the people involved these drifting things and so forth the most dangerous cities in the united states according to the fbi's uniform crime reporting for this year little rock memphis yep. tacoma detroit pueblo Cleveland, Springfield, Lansing, Kansas City, and Chattanooga. And these are all cities which have the kinds of problems that we've just been discussing. By the way, all of them, even if Memphis is in a red state, uh, all of those, except for Chattanooga, have Democratic uh, mayors, and uh, Chattanooga has no party affiliation for the mayor. But the 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 fact is i don't want to make this just uh democrats versus republicans mm -hmm. on yeah. this issue yeah. but i think voters see a marked difference between the parties on crime and i think patrick is right they also see a marked 
difference between the parties on gun control. Yeah. And they will have a chance to vote on that in, in November. 66% of Americans believe gun laws need to be more strict. Crime happens because you have concentrated poverty in places like cities with way too many guns on the streets. When one in three black parents, black dads, are incarcerated in a Southside Chicago community, that's the social breakdown that you're talking about. But you know what? I'll go beyond that. It doesn't. It's not uh, demographic. When you look at the national data, this happens in concentrated poverty areas in white districts too. The challenge is the body blow, the economic body blow of the pandemic, the the economic dislocation, the folks who've left their jobs, who've lost money, families that have fallen apart, multiplied by the number of guns that are now on the street, more guns than have ever been on the streets of the United States before. And that's why you get this rise in murder rates. But I got to say, violent crime on the aggregate is actually about it's plateaued. It's about where it is in 2016, which is remarkable. So what we're really talking about is firearm driven murders. That is what's risen. And that's because of guns. Well, right. Patrick, I'd like to jump in here and point out. We've got 10 seconds. Can we hold that, Matt? Because right. I want you to hold that a thought over. I want you to bring some some more up to this. Um, uh, and then the question is going to be after this break is. So which party is going to do something about it? Who do they trust? Who do the voters trust to actually do something about these issues we're bringing up when it comes to crime? We will be back with you at Beyond the Beltway shortly. Thank you for joining us. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, 
But our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Welcome back to to Beyond the Beltway with Jeannie Ives subbing in for Bruce Dumont. Our phone number here is 1-800-723-8289. We are going back to Matt Rosenberg. Matt, you were going to make a, a point about crime in Chicago as it relates to the nation. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Democratic argument that we need stricter gun laws. Um, Supreme Court rulings have made an assault weapons ban virtually, uh, you know, off the table. Uh, Number two, we have to enforce the existing gun laws that we have. What we have in Cook County Mm -hmm. and many other blue cities, unfortunately, is a revolving door for dangerous already convicted felons who were charged on new weapons charges. Weapons charges, weapons felony charges in Cook County are not even considered uh, violent offenders. So they are let out on low cash or no cash bail and often, too often, not always, too often go on to do carjackings, armed robberies, shootings, and even murder. I can't tell you how many stories I have read about uh, pre-trial defendants out on bail who had prior weapons convictions and new weapons charges like armed habitual criminal charged with a class X felony and out on bail and kill someone or shoot them. This, you know, if we're going to be serious about gun control, let's do that. Let's also remember there's something like 4 billion guns in the United States. Uh, every murder, every shooting, every carjacking, every crime that actually occurs is a tragedy. But let's remember that the vast, vast, vast majority of gun owners follow the law. Choice uh, to commit a crime is a personal choice. If there's crime, there needs to be punishment. So why do we have a 62% felony recidivism rate in the state of Illinois when it's measured over nine years rather than the three years which produces a much lower number uh... you know we we spend money on violence prevention programs that it turns out so far according to university of chicago makes no appreciable difference on reoffending uh... you know the best social program is the family and the huge thing we're not admitting here the elephant in the room the democrats can't discuss is that 82% of black children are born to unmarried mothers in Chicago. There is a vast social science literature 
on the harmful adult life effects for low-income, at-risk black males in particular. Lower income, more incarceration, less education. We need the daddies, as Barack Obama said when he first ran for president. Let's Matt, do Matt, this. Matt, you're making yes, a great did. argument for pretrial fairness. You're making a great argument for uh, incarceration reform. When, you have the, when you're in the situation of 120 uh, guns per 100 residents in this country, much about double what it is in Yemen, way more than that of Serbia, the, the next two highest. So we have an unlimited number of guns. Uh, we throw every third black dad in jail uh, uh, for minor, wait a minute. For minor hey, offenses. Wait a minute, you're so wrong you're, you're on those numbers. Families. You're just and flat out way, wrong. And by the you've got the highest incarceration okay. rate in the world That, that number was a fabrication, no, it's an not. outright I'm fabrication. At, uh, the Bureau, small arms sorry, survey. Bureau of Justice Statistics, Illinois, 2019, incarceration rate for blacks, adults, 2.16%. Bureau of Justice Statistics, 2% and in, and in of in adult blacks in, in jail. We see every third black dad in prison. We have surveys that. Surveys University of certain, Chicago no. Crime Lab, my friend. Uh, uh, Heard of it? Okay, well, let's let's put no, it this way. It, whatever Patrick up. thinks is the truth, whatever your statistics say, here's the deal. City Journal wrote this out. Public safety on the ballot in Portland is one of the nation's bluest states about to elect its first Republican governor since 1982. A new poll released last weekend in Oregon has gubernatorial Republican candidate ahead of the Democrat. The poll explains why. Residents of the state's largest, most left-leaning city are fed up with crime. Only 55% of Portlanders trust Democrats over Republicans on crime. That's, so th there you go there, because that's the most left-leaning city. And only 25% of <laughs> Portland residents, place, notoriously. Portland residents ranked crime as their top concern. Okay. Here's why, okay, in the first seven months of 2022, homicides in the city increased 125, 21% over the same period of 2019. I don't know what's going on in Portland. Okay, well, here's well, this is a perfect example. The, the bottom the line, though, in, yeah. In Oregon. Here's, the bottom line is, though, who do you trust to solve the problem? Well, Charles. people trust Charles. themselves. <laughs> Let me just jump in. People trust themselves. We have an increasing trend of armed self defense in Chicago would-be stabbing victims on public transit are stabbing attackers. We have people who own cars, who spot car thieves, who draw guns on them, who then shoot the car thieves. A 13-year-old was killed that way. The shooter was not charged. Chicagoans, due to the Second Amendment, are increasingly taking up arms. The people you go to yoga practice with are at the target range the next hour. That's They're terrifying. just not talking about it. It's because of a breakdown what a in supporting police. It's due to blue city value. No, it's Charles, not due to let's hear from Charles Patrick at, on this point. Charles? The, uh, I, I think that the Oregon uh, race is a little misleading because there's a third-party candidate, and uh, so we don't get a straight-up choice between the Democrat and the uh, Republican. But I think the fact that Patty Murray is in deep trouble, she may win, in uh, in deep blue Washington is an indication. I think the fact that Chase Bourdain was uh, tossed out in San Francisco, mm -hmm. people are sick of this crime. The problem with gun control 
uh, is um, that uh, is that there are so many guns out there yeah. that there's no way to get them out of the hands of the bad guys. Sure. There are a lot of people who would say, I would like uh, a, a gun-free society. I would much prefer a gun-free society, but I don't want to give up my guns if uh, the gang member down the street still has them. In fact, that's a big problem for uh, gang affiliation among young uh, uh, among young kids in gang-infested neighborhoods, a lot of them feel like they have to join a gang yeah. in order to be safe. Yeah. That if they're not in a gang, they're, they're, they're the prey for every gang in the neighborhood. So it's a terrible situation. Yeah, that's okay, funny. we're going to go to a caller here quick. We've got John in McHenry County. He's been waiting for quite a while. John, what's your question to the panel? Well, my question has to do with crime and uh, you were just talking Oregon. The other thing in the news about November 8th is Oregon could have that many as three Republicans in the House because of districts flipping out there because of crime and other issues. But let's talk about the border. We're going to talk about that here. And we talked about Mr. Hanley was saying something about a large concentration of residents. And, of course, you know, we just had nearly 4,000 people bus to the city of Chicago and granted, you know, the city has done its best to dissimulate, and then New York City declared an emergency. But all these strains on resources, and that was something Biden allowed it. And then, back in October 12th, he just reinstituted Title 42 on the Venezuelan uh, uh, migrants. And then all of a sudden, well, that's what shut down their uh, migrant center. So if Biden could have done that in October 12th, why was the border so wide open? And are people going to take that out on the... Uh, the Democrats on the congressional races and down ballot was uh, on November eighth. Okay, I, I'm I, glad you mentioned the. I'm glad you mentioned the immigration mm -hmm. issue, because I think it's a it's a lurking issue, and um, it, it relates directly to crime because, of course, the cartels are are doing a lot of the human trafficking and they're bringing in a lot of drugs, which originally come from China but come through Mexico. But I think there was an article, uh, an op-ed a couple of weeks ago uh, by uh, Daniel Henninger in the Wall Street Journal in which he used the word chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think yes. that's what links together all of these. People are going to be voting against chaos. Hmm. Yes. Patrick, I think uh, a lot of folks would, would say the chaos starts at the top, uh, certainly with illegal immigration. Uh, estimates by it's a very fair, fair and balanced way to think about it 5.5 <laughs> .5 million illegal aliens have crossed our border since biden took office uh does this play well with for the democrats and how are they reacting to this as a as an argument on the campaign trail i mean i think what's clear is that immigration is about the seventh or eighth issue on voters minds there's a number of other things that are more important top of them we you know we've been discussing already uh immigration is another very complicated challenge that is global in context and has everything to do but with income inequality globally and in cities immigrants are not the ones causing crimes immigrants contribute far more than they take in in government services we know that so talking about immigrants in the same conversation that we're talking about crime i think does a service to the con to the context which matt, is in its own right very complicated well matt uh, i mean let's just pick that up i mean i think i think charles's point on chaos is the the broader point of illegal immigration and it's just simply it feels lawless this is double-edged in chicago i've been struck particularly uh, overall 
by the, uh, the caliber, the high caliber of Latino immigrants, particularly Mexican immigrants. An interesting thing about them is that there is absolutely zero culture of complaint. Now, some of them may be under the radar because they're, uh, you know, they're not, okay, I'll just say certified as opposed to illegal, but they go to work in the building trades. They're out there building mm-hmm. things yes, yeah. they are. all the time. However, some of them also, the less savory ones, are used as mules. So fentanyl, heroin, go down to 63rd and MLK. Look at the zombies walking around. That's fentanyl, okay? So we have a problem with the border, too, and the mules. Okay. We've got a All huge right. opioid We've crisis. Got, uh, yes, we do. We'll get back to that after the break. Last segment coming up. Thank you all for joining us. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media... Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
All right. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. It's Jeannie Ives, our last segment. We only have about six minutes left in this segment, so I want to I do a couple of things really quick. One, we've talked a lot about a couple issues here, education, crime, and uh, so now it's time to talk about a few solutions. So I'm going to give each one of these guys a chance to tell us, give me your solutions. What is your solution for better education, less crime? Let's talk about that. Then we're going to talk about predictions. I want your your quick and dirty predictions for the midterms. And uh, then finally, Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's start out. Let's start out with solutions. Matt, you had an idea about solutions when it comes to crime. Right. And on education, I want to lend my voice in support yes. of full-on galloping uh, school choice, including not only vouchers, but uh, better yet, uh, educational savings accounts. Uh, I think that's crucial. But let me jump to uh, policing and crime and crime prevention. Violence prevention programs do a lot less than people think. Uh, they're not always measured very honestly. Uh, when they are, the results are not impressive. And I take that from a recent uh, University of Chicago crime lab report. The real bottom line was hidden. The media didn't even read the report. It was not making a difference. But what does work, what can work, is uh, foot patrols. There's a broad literature in the peer-reviewed social science journals on this. It even worked in Chicago back in 2013, 2014, under Rahm Emanuel and Chief Jerry McCarthy. The problem is now cops don't like to go out and do foot patrols unless there are six of them at once. I've talked to Chicago Police officers, they're worried about being attacked. Uh, it, it just, you know, one or two guys on patrol over here and another two guys eight blocks over, that's not going to work. So that goes to increasing manpower. But before you can increase manpower, you've got to fix the broken politics of this. Uh, politicians like Lori Lightfoot uh, will not spend the political capital on uh, really having the back of police. So to add more police could be helpful, but only when the political system is fixed where they are not assumed to be racist right from the get-go. And if you look at the Washington Post database on police-involved shootings, uh, you know, uh, uh, the perps who got shot were armed 94% of the time. When police screw up, by all means, hold them fully accountable. But mm -hmm. I keep hearing that, uh, oh, well, people don't trust the police. That's why crime is up. No, people mm -hmm. don't trust the bad guys who come to kill witnesses. And we've got yes. a long list mm -hmm. of such cases that, that, that here. Is a, that is an area that mm -hmm. we could find common ground on for sure, which is yeah. witness protection. Patrick, go ahead. Give me your solutions. Yeah, I would, just, I would totally, I would agree on the fact that policing is an incredibly hard job. I think mm -hmm. teaching and policing are two bedrock jobs in our society, mm -hmm. two institutions. I, no argument here. And, you know, when I, when I speak to a police officer friend who I grew up with, he talks about having to be an administrator, a soldier, a lawyer, a social worker. And the reality is that is too much for one job. And so when mistakes happen, and mistakes do happen sometimes, and they're televised across the country, and they cause outrage in communities that have uh, experienced that type of violence for too long, the reality is we need to, we need to uh, 
figure out what it is that police are good at and allow them and arm them to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And then we need to create resources on the ground like social workers, violence interruption uh, specialists. We need to add administrators that are taking paperwork away from police officers, as Matt mentioned earlier. So there's a lot we can do to help our police officers be more effective while also taking into account things like racial discrimination and bias. So that's, that's very important. On the school's point, I'll just very quickly say uh, a lot of what Democrats are doing in Illinois and Democrats are doing nationally is reallocating funds from a property tax system to kind of a state-based system to make sure that struggling public schools receive the funds that they need. And if we play that out for several more years, if we continue to fund public education on an inflation-adjusted basis, which we haven't, uh, I think we're going to see some real outcomes. Okay, great. Charles, you on those two items. Very quickly. I think that when violent crimes are committed, they need to be punished and they're not. Mm. And when uh, a re when they're uh, repeat offenders, they need to be punished worse. And we need to get back to broken windows policing where small crimes are actually uh, punished. On schools, I think that uh, the states that are doing uh, vouchers and uh, school savings accounts, uh, we need to look closely at whether the outcomes are better as mm -hmm. they are with Catholic schools and see whether other schools can move to a more competitive basis because without competition you just get lethargic institutions. All right, okay, very quickly uh, we'll, go, we'll go reverse here. Charles, you first. Your prediction in the midterms? Uh, House, Senate, uh, <laughs> what happens? I think it'll be a big red wave, but it's really hard to know, and that's because polling has now completely collapsed. Mm -hmm. We just don't know from polls because we can't get a hold of who's really going to vote, and people don't respond honestly. Okay, Patrick, how about you? I think we keep the Democrats, keep the Senate, uh, and I think we fight like hell for the House, but we'll see what happens. All right, and Matt? What's your prediction? I think we are going to see, as pundits are uh, predicting, we're going to see some governor's uh, offices flip from uh, uh, blue to red. I think that's going to happen in Oregon. It might very well happen in Nevada, too. That's one prediction. I'm not going to give you an Illinois gubernatorial election outcome prediction unless you'd like me to. No, that's okay. Go we'll ahead. pass because I want to know. <laughs> Is it a great thing that Twitter is now controlled by Elon Musk? Is that good or bad, Matt? Yes, he should buy Facebook. All right, Patrick. Elon's hilarious. He called himself a, uh, what it, was it, a free speech absolutist. And the first <laughs> thing he does at Twitter is he realizes how important it is to regulate speech on that platform. So, you know, welcome to Twitter, buddy. That is true. I was a little disappointed in that comment myself. Charles, <laughs> tell me about what do you think of Elon I, and Twitter? I, I think that uh, it's a great thing. Um, that uh, Twitter has been bought by somebody who favors more free speech. But the key issue uh, on censorship is whether the censorship has a political bias. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, it, we all, all want right. to keep uh, out uh, threats and all that sort of thing off of, off of the social media. But what the social media did in 2020 uh, election was just disgusting. Okay, we're out. Thank you guys so much for joining me on Beyond the Beltway. It was a great conversation tonight. And we will see you next time, listeners. Eric Cohn should be sitting in for Bruce next week. Thank you so much.
Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.